When the world has got you down Alzheimer's sucks. It's an equal opportunity disease that chips away at everything we hold dear. And to date, there's no cure. So until there is, we continue to fight with the most powerful tool in our arsenal, love. This is Love Conquers Alls, a real and really positive podcast that takes a deep dive into everything Alzheimer's, the good, the bad, and everything in between. And now, here are your hosts, Susie Singer-Carter and me, Don Priest. Hello, I'm Susie Singer-Carter. And I'm Don Priest, and this is Love Conquers Alls. Hello, Susan. Donald, guess what yes. this episode is? This number episode is kind of... It's a it's a it's a landmark a uh, you know it's 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 huge and you can tell us what episode is this? It's episode forty, which is what? Yeah, this is our fortieth episode, and which is hard to believe because we just started. It feels like we just started this, but what a what a fun trip we've had and so far, and we have more to come, and we hope that we're getting good messages out and. it must, you know, we must be on the right track because we're not tired yet of doing this. We're enjoying it, and I'm getting more and more inspired by all the guests that we have. And um, absolutely, and you've done, and you've done all forty, and I've I've only done fifteen. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because Cassie uh, Cruz, Cass, yeah, Cassie did the first twenty-five. First... Yep. Yeah, and, this has uh, been so great. We keep getting wonderful guests, and our community is getting so tight and and rich and you know hope hopefully it's helping people every time we talk to people now we find out their mother or their mother-in-law or their sister or somebody has dementia alzheimer's and by and large they felt like they're alone right no it's it's rampant i mean it just literally in the last week we have two friends who just came to us with the same story that they they just learned that their mother uh, was diagnosed with uh, with Alzheimer's, yeah. and it's you know it's so prevalent, and that's why I think all these conversations are so important. So and, important, and that's why we have you know bringing on amazing guests who are so diverse in their experience, and yet all have that shared experience. And and speaking yeah. of guests, dun, yes, dun, 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 we have dun, an amazing dun. guest today. Her name is Lauren Dykovitz. <laughs> Uh, she's a writer and author whose mom was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's at the age of 62 when Lauren was only 25. Uh, at the age of 28, Lauren quit her full-time job and became her mother's caregiver. And she's documented her experience in her Life, Love, and Alzheimer's blog and wrote her first book, Learning to Weather the Storm, a story of life, love, and Alzheimer's, and currently finishing up her second book, when only love remains, surviving my mom's battle with early onset Alzheimer's. Although her mom passed in April of 2020, it's Lauren's mission to help others on their Alzheimer's journey by sharing stories and lessons from her personal experience. And we are looking forward to sharing her experience with you today. So let us welcome Lauren Dykovitz. Hello, Lauren. Hi. Thank you guys for having Hi. me. Hi. Hi, Lauren. Hi. Absolutely. Thank you for being. We've been, we've been, I've been looking forward to having you as a guest for a while now, and I'm so excited because I was, I was telling Lauren, I, I, I feel like I know her because I see her posts on Instagram every, every day. Really, you're amazing, and they're really, first of all, beautifully presented, 
so they're eye-catching and more more importantly their their content is so profound and um, and resonates with I can tell by how many responses you get it resonates so deeply with so many people it's just beautiful it's beautiful observations that you that you share thank you so much so that means you. a lot to me well it means a lot to everybody Lauren I mean you really are touching people and you're so young and you've been through so much and and that your your maturity and your your graciousness and your ability to or your willingness rather to share your story is is really it, it's it's um generous it's inspiring it's inspiring yeah. because so many people at that age i mean you were you were 25 when your when your mother was diagnosed mm -hmm. you're 28 years old and you quit your full-time job and basically you know i wouldn't say put your life on hold just say changed the course of your life mm -hmm. at an age where most you know people are just out partying and hanging with their friends and doing all the things that you know you hope to do and that had to be I mean, well, tell us about that. Tell us about, you know, that what what happened at that time and how you were feeling and how it affected you. Yeah. So as you said, I was 25 when my mom was diagnosed. And at first, you know, it was just where do we go from here? You know, I didn't know anybody that had my age that had a parent that had Alzheimer's or dementia. And I didn't really know much, if anything, about the disease, period. Um, and here my mom was diagnosed with it. Uh, and I had actually gotten engaged to my now husband uh, the same month that my mom was diagnosed. So as I'm getting this diagnosis of Alzheimer's for my mom, I'm also starting to plan my wedding and my future with my husband. And we were looking at buying our first house and all these things that you really want and need your mom for. And she couldn't be there for me. Um, so the first thing that I did without her was plan my wedding. And it was heartbreaking and I didn't really have anyone. I felt like I didn't really have anyone to talk to about it um, because in my mind, you know, there's no way that they're gonna understand what I'm going through or what this is like or what I'm dealing with. And I remember a day or two after my mom, after the doctor actually gave her the formal di official diagnosis, I called my best friend at the time and I told her, you know, my mom, we got news from the doctor. She's diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's. And she said, oh, my grandmother had Alzheimer's. And I thought in that moment, okay, that's your grandmother though. That's not your mom. And I sort of realized that no one was gonna understand what this was like for me. Um, aside from my sister who we're going through it together. We're both trying to figure this out. We're both trying to, you know, how we feel and, and cope with everything. Um, so I didn't have anybody outside of that to go to. Mm -hmm. And I researched online and all I found was the Alzheimer's Association website, which has a lot of information and resources, but not a personal experience of the disease. And so this was in um, 2010. So social media was like nothing like it is today. You know, now everybody and their mom and their grandmom has a Facebook and an Instagram. And it wasn't like that. Hardly anybody had, right. I don't even know if Instagram was around yet, but hardly anyone had a Facebook page. 
Um, and so there wasn't this community that there is today. So I didn't have that to turn to and I didn't have support. And so I really just kind of shut down um, and didn't, I didn't tell anybody about my mom. I didn't tell any other friends except for that one. I didn't tell my coworkers. I didn't tell anybody. I just kept quiet about it. Um, and so after the first few years, I was unhappy with my job and I wasn't getting to spend a lot of time with my mom. And I saw her getting worse and I saw that I was missing out on just this time with her when she was still, you know, sort of with it and doing much better and also needing help. And at the time, my dad was still working full time. And so she was alone a lot. And I just felt like this doesn't sit right with me that I'm going to continue working in a job that I'm not happy with when my mom needs help, my dad needs help, and I just really want to be there for them. So I quit my job without having another job lined up. And I just said, I think I really just want to help take care of my mom and sort of figure out what's next. And I just sort of, you know, that's, that's just how this all came about is from becoming a caregiver and, and sharing about it. So. Wow. I have a 25 year old daughter. So I, I think about her having to deal with that situation that I dealt with you know, is like, wow, I can't even imagine. I mean, she's just graduating college and, you know, having to go through something like that has got to be so derailing and and hard to to process in so many ways, in so many ways, because it's been so hard for me to process. And while you were getting married, I was going through a horrendous divorce at the same time. So, and having to move homes with, with, with my child and, and it, it, you know, so I know this, you know, either way it's stressful, you know, and it's like adding stresses on top of stresses on top of stresses and my heart goes out to you. Um, your sister, how old was she? She's 11 months older than me. We're actually Irish twins. So she's oh, wow. 26 when my mom was diagnosed. So you're gotcha. both young. There was not like you had the older sibling to lean on. You were basically right. the same in the same boat. Right. Uh, and 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 so what? You know. Okay. First day, you quit your job and you're gonna go caregive your for your mom and help your dad. And you walk in the door and what do you do? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> and how do you do it? Yeah. Uh, starting out, I mean, at that time, my mom was about three years into her diagnosis. So she was still very much taking care of herself and able to do a lot of things still. And so it was more of just being her companion. And, you know, like you would hire someone for companion care. And that's pretty much what I was doing. I would um, just spend time with her and do activities with her. Um, I had a Facebook memory that popped up the other day of us planting flowers in little flower beds. So we would do things like that and go out to lunch or go shopping. We would get our hair done together. Um, we would go for walks and we could still um, like sometimes see movies and things like that. So it was a lot easier back then because I was really just hanging out with my mom. Um, right. but you know, she was, it was getting to the point where it was kind of like, mm, should she be home alone by herself all day? And my dad was still working his full-time job. Um, so 
you know, I kind of just spent time with her so that she wasn't alone all day. She could, she couldn't drive. So that was a big thing that she couldn't go anywhere unless somebody took her. And so rather than her being stuck home alone with no way out all day, I would go, uh, you know, several times a week to just kind of get her out of the house and spend time with her. So, right. And did she stop driving or she never drove? Was she, she stopped driving? She stopped driving. Um, I, I always joke, my mom uh, never liked to drive. Like, she used to complain about driving all the time. She hated driving at night because she said, like, she couldn't see with all the lights and everything. So as soon as her neurologist told her, when she got the diagnosis right away, he told her, you probably shouldn't drive anymore. Um, nobody took her license or, or her keys or anything. She was just like, oh, I'm not allowed to drive. The doctor said, you know, I can't drive. And <laughs> I think she was almost relieved, relieved yeah, that she wasn't yeah. allowed to drive anymore, and she had oh, an that's, excuse for it. So, where well, so that's many different, people that's have refreshing. That yeah, we have that problem. We <laughs> yeah. were just talking about it last night because two of yes. our friends had the same problem, which I also experienced. Was like that that horrible uh, task of having to tell your parent or your spouse mm-hmm. that they they're they're not capable of driving anymore, which is like. So it's just hugely significant, you know, for a lot of people. It's yes. like their whole dignity, like Don always says, and their whole independence. And, you know, it, it really is a, a sign of your independence to be able to jump into a car and do whatever you want. And it's so devastating yeah. for most people. Thank and God you didn't have to go. Time, yeah, like we were spared from, from that one thing because yeah. she just didn't. She was like, okay. And I think she was at that point probably having so much trouble, like remembering where she was going and it was giving her so much anxiety that it was like a relief to her that she didn't have to do it anymore. And so that was, you know, I played a big part with that, with taking her places and taking her to go visit my grandmother who lived in another state. And so we would go see her for the day and just things like that to like get her out of the house and stuff. Wow, was this your mother's mother, your maternal grandmother? And how how was her mental health at that point? Fine. Fine. Sharp as a tack. And how how was that for your for your grandma to have to to be you know, watch her own daughter go through this? It must be devastating. Yeah, it was difficult. I at the time, um, I'm trying to remember. I think my grandma was probably like in her mid 80s. Mm-hmm. She's since passed, um, but she at that time was about in her mid 80s or so, um, and she was fine. I mean, she had some health problems, but nothing, no mental, no cognitive impairment, nothing. She was sharp as a tack, and her and my mom talked on the phone every single day, and she would start noticing things and if she couldn't get a hold of my mom she would panic and she would call me and luckily i lived close to my mom so i mean there were times because my mom simply forgot how to answer the phone right and there were times where i would have to drive to her house to check to make sure that she was okay um because you know my grandmother tried to call her and she wouldn't answer the phone Um, And I know my grandmother used to get really upset about it and she would, um, you know, just want us to take care of her. And and it was just the the hurt of seeing this happen. And there's really, you know, there's nothing anybody can do about it, but you Mm -hmm. want so badly for somebody to be able to fix it. And um, 
I think it was just hard for her because, you know, she's like, I should be the one. Yes, going I was just going to say that. Like, I, yeah, I was yeah. just going to say that, Lauren. I mean, wow, I've actually never heard of that, that scenario, right? I mean, that is a really sad. It's sad. Yeah, and, and, I, yeah. Go on. I actually know of a lot of other daughters um, whose mom has had it and even passed from it, and the grandmother is still alive and well. And it's just because it happens at such a younger age, mm -hmm. it is something that, you know, you don't really think about. And uh, I was grateful and fortunate to still have my grandmother for the time that I did because I could talk to her about things and um, talk to her about my mom and things like that. But, you know, she was hurting too, oh just like goodness. the rest of us, just seeing her decline. Any age that you're going through this, a lot of the emotions and the things, thoughts you have and the feelings are the same, but it's just different life challenges or, you know, it depends on what stage of life you're in that it makes it difficult. It was hard for me to distinguish myself from my family of, you know, living at home with my mom and dad because I felt guilty for that. I felt like I, I can't go and live my life and have a career and build all these things because I should be taking care of my parents, but I was only in my 20s. So most people that we're dealing with, you know, I can't speak for everyone in their 50s or 60s and what they're doing in life, but it's a different stage of life that just creates a unique set of challenges that maybe someone who's older when their mom is diagnosed maybe doesn't have those exact problems but as you said you were going through a divorce so there's a whole other set of problems it's just everyone has their their stuff you know their challenges mm -hmm. it was just mine happened at a younger age at a younger yeah. stage of my yeah. life you mentioned guilt you know because guilt can be a huge issue for caregivers it's you know how can i live my life how can i laugh how can i smile if my mom's or my whatever my parent or is is in in this state and which is so unhealthy for the caregiver and the caregiver must remain healthy and so you as a young you know vibrant you know person just starting their lives how did you cope with that not well oh. <laughs> um yeah it was it was really hard i mean like you said there's guilt for any caregiver it's something that i talk about all mm -hmm. the time because it's i think it's unavoidable i just really think it's you just you can't avoid it you have to just find a way to live with it mm -hmm. anyway and i really was never successful at doing that so that's why i write about it so much mm -hmm. now to try to help people because I know so many young women that are going through this and it's like, gosh, you're never going to live your life. You're just, you feel guilty about everything. You're never going to live your life. And that's not it's, fair it's, to you. Yeah, because your mom and you spent so much time with her, like I did with my mother. And I, I was able to, to, you know, catch those lucid moments, which, you know, was, most of them were like amazing gifts for me. And one in particular, which is in my film, we talk about it all the time is when my mom was having a really bad agitated episode and I was trying to talk her down and, and redirect and all of a sudden she got very lucid and she just said oh my god you have to put me in a home you have to live your life this is not that's fair. what they want for you they want they you to are, they... <laughs> yeah 
Our parents, is that would, the reason why you're such a lovely daughter is because your mother and father, I mean, they raised a lovely daughter. So, uh, you know, I can only imagine your mother, I mean, would want you to live your life and not feel guilty and and feel and, and enjoy your life because we don't know what tomorrow holds. So I'm sure that your mother felt that way. And I'm sure that most people's parents feel that way out there. And that's why I always... That's why I shared my story because I too, even now, I grab grapple with it. My mom's still alive, and if I go away for the weekend because I want to see her every weekend, I my heart hurts and I feel guilty and I have that stress of well, what if this is the last time I won't get to see her and then I'll can't I'll I can't live with it, you know, or she, I won't be there with her yeah. and you know anyway, so. Did you ever have those moments getting yeah, back to and that I, you know, the, <laughs> with your mom? Yeah. Well, I had a lot of beautiful moments with my mom. Um, and, you know, it, it was, as you were just saying about that, she would want me to live my life and things. It was some of my bigger life decisions that I did allow that to sort of guide me because I would say to, you know, to myself, my mom would want me to go do this this thing, whatever it is, my mom would want me to be happy. My mom would want me, um, you know, to to live my life and to have my own life and not just be taking care of her all the time. Um, what am I going to do when she's gone? And I know my mom would have said all of those things to me. Um, and when you're going through it, it's so hard to recognize that and to feel that way because there is so much guilt. And my guilt held me back from doing I really did stop living my own life when my mom was sick in, in many, many ways. I lost so many friendships because I wasn't going out with my friends anymore, spending time with my friends because I felt like I didn't deserve it. I felt like I shouldn't be having fun. How dare I go and have fun and smile and laugh and be happy picturing my mom and dad sitting at home in a quiet house, like just miserable and suffering and having a hard time. And I felt like I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to go do this when they're going through what they're going through. And it really, um, you know, it kept me from ever getting uh, another regular full-time job. It kept me from going on vacations, trips, um, taking opportunities, like having friendships, just so many things that I just denied myself because of my guilt, but I don't regret any of it. I mean, I could never say that I regret it because I did have so many of those mm. beautiful moments yeah. with my mom that we had a whole different relationship that we would have never yeah. had if I wasn't her caregiver. And for someone who, um, was a younger person when my mom was diagnosed, I was just coming out of like my college age, yeah. like my selfish years of my early twenties yeah. of partying and like boozing it up and just wanting to spend all my time with my friends. And my mom was just starting to be like cool to me. You know, she was just starting to be uh, a friend and to have like an adult relationship with her that I never had when I was younger and my mom was yeah. just not cool, you know, and mm -hmm. I didn't want to like hang out with my mom. God, no, you know, and we were just starting to develop that relationship when she got diagnosed. So I never right. got to have that with her, but I got to have something that was 
arguably so much better than that because of the experiences that we had together and no i'm yes, getting I'm emotional sorry, too I'm with emotional you so just go just I'm, I'm right there with you let it, I'm right let there it with go you. yeah i'm right there and i'm staring at this beautiful photo of my mom that i have hanging in my office that she just Aww. is smiling like such pure light and joy from her and i just feel so incredibly grateful to have had the experience that i did with her disease because i was spared from a lot of the very difficult hard awful things i mean i dealt with a lot of that too but we had a beautiful relationship when she was living with alzheimer's and in so many ways and i say this and i write about this a lot as well that i felt closer to my mom when she no longer knew who i was when she no no longer knew my name or knew that i was her daughter because we relied on yeah. a different kind of a bond and a different kind of love that i don't think a lot of people get to experience 100%. that unspoken Lauren, it's, an, it's unspoken i talk yeah. about that all the time too right you know i my mother can barely articulate anymore but she still has she still is the soul that everyone knows her to ever have been and you know I've been having to zoom with her for the past year and a half which is horrendous as you can imagine right uh, with someone who is in the later stages yeah. and uh, tomorrow is actually my first time that they're allowing us to take her out we're going to take her for a picnic and my daughter had a baby last year so we're going to actually get to spend time and hug and kiss and snuggle and you know it's going to be and I'm Aww. grateful I'm so grateful for that so I know what you I know what you're saying and 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 we communicate more than ever with with nonverbal communication it's powerful and if you just look at ha babies watching my granddaughter you know develop from an infant it's so mm -hmm. the the uh, the parallels are out, they're astounding because how you communicate with a baby is the same way that I'm communicating with my mom. It's absolutely, it's there, it's powerful. I know what, I can feel what she's thinking. I, you know, it's all with intention. And, um, you know, we communicate so much anyway without verbal, verbal, you know, articulation. It's all with, with you know, nonverbal cues, a lot of it. So I've, we, my daughter, I have two daughters and we, we all have learned to communicate that way. And my mother said to me on the Zoom this last week, she said, when when the Zoom turned on, she looked up and she went, I love you. That just came out of nowhere. And that was so, that was my gift for the whole week. I've been like thinking about that all week. Because she doesn't, she rarely says anything. Yeah. You know, so you she know, must so. have recognized me and got it and went, I love yeah. you. She needed to tell me. I had... I had so many similar experiences with my mom and one that I can remember vividly is in the last couple of months of her life, she was bedridden and um, dying and she uh, really wasn't talking anymore. Like my, my mom had been verbal the whole time up until that final decline when she was, it was clear that the end was coming. And then um, she maybe said a, a couple things here and there, but it had been a while before she really said anything or or mm -hmm. clear words that made sense but so a friend of mine her name is Janine whose mother passed about a year before mine 
Um, she told me, you know, when, when my mom was dying, I would sit and massage her hands with lotion and I would just visualize her surrounded by this warm white light and how much I loved her and just thinking about the love that we share and how she will be flooded with all of these memories when she's gone and she'll know how much I loved her and cared for her. And so one day I, I took uh, some lavender lotion that I had from my mom and I was just massaging her hands with it, not talking to her, not saying anything. There were other people in the room talking amongst themselves. Um, and I think we had always had music playing and things like that. But I wasn't talking to my mom. I was just sitting there massaging her hands. And after a few minutes, she just says, I love you. And it was just so clear to me that mm -hmm. she was she was talking to me. And it was because I was just, you know, channeling this love into her and the physical touch of massaging her hands and thinking about my love for her and, and just how much I just want her to know how much I love her. And then she just out of nowhere, like your mom, she just came out and said that. And it's like, that's exactly. how you can't tell me See, she doesn't know who I am. You know, you, you could not tell me that gifts. she really didn't know she, who I was. hundred percent. I know she did. They just can't verbalize it. You know, that's. And, and, <laughs> and by the, you know, the fact that you were being quiet right. allowed her to be able to gather the the her facilities to say those words because it's about being patient and allowing her to to be able you know if you continued talking and talking she wouldn't be able to she'd be too distracted to process listening to the sounds that you're saying then to gather her own thoughts and and to formulate those words you gave her that space to do that yeah because so often we feel like you know, people right. just feel like you have to fill the silence with words and it's uncomfortable to sit with someone and not talk and just, but I, with my mom, I learned that we don't need That's to right. talk. We don't need verbal communication. We don't need language. We don't need, we just sit here and share space and time with each other. And I feel her presence and she feels my presence and that's all we need. That was really all we needed. That yep. was how we mm -hmm. we were communicating in a different way, and we were bonding in a different way. We didn't need to. We didn't need to fill it with. Oh my with God! You're, often you're so I, smart. <laughs> you're so you're so well intuitive. Just, intuitive. No, but you're just and, so. And, your gift is huge because this is so important. Like I, it's taken me 14 years to figure this out, right? With my mother, and I love her so much. Like. I mean, there's nothing that can make me cry like you is my mom. So I get it, girlfriend. You know, and I love her. There's nobody like her to me. She's been my biggest champion, and I wanted to be her champion for as long as I can. So I get it. And what you're saying is so profound. It's so smart and developed. And important. It's, and important. it's important. When your mother was alive, you gave her a quality at the at the level that she could have it in the beginning of her uh illness i i did spend a lot of time feeling sorry for myself and i felt really sorry for myself at what i had lost what i was going to lose what i would never have uh all of the milestones and experiences and just the fact that now I'm taking care of my mother instead of her taking care of me or just being there for me to support me. Like that's all gone. I have to do this for her now. And oh, nobody understands what I'm going through. And mm -hmm. I felt 
really sorry for myself. And over time I realized like, you know, I'm going to waste the rest of my mom's life mm -hmm. feeling sorry for myself and I'm going to regret it when I could just adapt and change my perspective and have maybe an entirely different relationship and a different experience than what I always thought I would have, but it's just as beautiful and it's probably more meaningful. And, you know, once, once I sort of started to work to change my perspective around that, I mean, everything changed. And I just thought, I'm not going to focus on me anymore. I'm not going to focus on what I've lost. I'm going to focus on my mom. I'm going to focus on what she's lost, but I'm mostly going to focus on what she still has. What, what is she still capable of? What are mm -hmm. we still capable of as mother and daughter? What can we still do to maybe we're not going to be going on like a girl's trip together, but like, you know, can we sit and listen to music and, and have lunch together or any, you really learn to appreciate the simple little things. And my mom helped me learn that because she smiled more in those 10 years than I think I'd ever seen her smile in her life. It was just the simple right. things that brought her so much joy. And that really taught me to do the same and to try to bring more of that joy to her life and make her, I can't make her better, but I can try to make her happy. And I can at least try to make her journey with this disease, not a lonely one, or maybe try to make it a little bit more joyful and positive right. for her because she deserves that. Right. She still deserves to have a beautiful, meaningful life, even though she can't do most things, but she still deserves to have someone, you know, to, to, want her to mm -hmm. have that kind of a life and experience and to do what she's still capable of doing. It's the kind of gift that we don't expect yeah. that, that like my, my life is so different now because of my mother's story and because of the, um, my own personal ride with it as yours is, you know, that I'm able, that we were able, Don and I were able to take my mom's a story, a part of her story and make a film that's touched so many people. Thank God you're writing books. Thank God, because you need to <laughs> tell people your story. Need, people need to hear what you have to say. <laughs> they need to hear it. And, and that's what, if somebody you knew was in the basic situation you were, not knowing anything going ahead, what, what, what's the first thing you would tell them? Their relationship with that parent isn't over. It's going to be different. It's going to be hard and challenging, but it can be, like I said, equally as beautiful and if not more meaningful. And it's so normal to feel sorry for yourself and to be angry and to feel like you've been robbed and to just, you know, just sit in this sadness and this pit of despair, but you just can't stay there because you're gonna miss a whole other beautiful relationship with your parent that, like you said, Susie, you wouldn't ask for it and you wouldn't want that to ever happen, but your life will be, forever changed because of it. And if you do kind of lean in and just try to be present and see the good in what's left of your parent and in the journey, I mean, it can be a deeply profound and beautiful and meaningful experience and relationship with your parent that, you know, yep. you, you can't until you're, you've lost it all. Like my second book is called when, when only love remains, that's all you have left is the love. And 
it changes you and you miss out on that if you don't, you know, right. if you're not willing to show up and be there for it to witness it. You're, you're going to miss out on a whole experience. Young girls every right. day are having a parent diagnosed with Alzheimer's and they have no idea what to do. I was that girl and I don't want them to feel lost like I was. I want them to have someone to turn to and if they are like I was, they don't know anybody in their real life that has dealt with Alzheimer's or has a parent with Alzheimer's right. or have any right. person that they can turn to. Well, at least they have me and they can turn to me and they yes. can see my face and they can see my mom and my smiling pictures that I have in our videos. And, and it's that still a life. It it's is different. It's still, it's not going to yes, be absolutely. Yeah. It's still going to be a life. It's still going to be a relationship. It's not the end of your relationship with your right. parent. It's just the start of a different kind of relationship with your parent. And it is so hard to get to that place and to accept that, but it is so worth it. And you're going to take, you know, steps back and you're going to have bad days and you're going to be down in the dumps and you're, you know, you're going to have to fight for that every single time like uh I, I had a friend of mine who was talking about the pep yeah. talk that she would give herself before she would go in to visit her mom and yes. i'm like oh it's so yes. true like i would sit in my car in the driveway and be like this sucks this sucks yes. but then i would say but you know what it's gonna suck more someday when your mom is gone and you know now i walk in the house and she's laying yep. in a hospital bed dying well someday she's yep. not going to be there at all and at least I can still go sit there and hold her hand. Or, you know, earlier in her disease, I would, she would always be sitting in a wheelchair or somewhere when I went mm -hmm. in the house. And I would just wish, I just wish I walk in and see her standing in the kitchen, you know? But I would say, but Lauren, someday she's not gonna be there at all. And you're not gonna be able to go see her physically at all. And you would just have to like, give yourself a pep talk and psych yourself up to go in and then, um, I also started making gratitude lists after our visits or our phone calls or things like that because I was just focusing so much on what I had lost mm -hmm. and I was like I need a way to turn this around and focus on what's what the good is and what we still have and so I would just start writing a little gratitude list uh, in my phone when we would get off of uh, a FaceTime call or something like that. and that changed the game like because then i was like spending my whole visit or my whole phone call just thinking like i need stuff to put on this list i need like good what's what's the like literally hunting the good stuff and just wanting to know like what's good that i can put on my list right. when we hang up the phone or when i leave this visit and then I would just read the list and I'd be like, see, there's, I don't even remember what bad thing happened during this exercise. visit because all yeah. I have to look at that's are the good things that and could, that's all I'm going to focus on. You could literally and take the same sentence and say, everything. on the bad side, I saw my mom today, she was in a wheelchair and put it on the good side, I saw my mom today and she was sitting in a wheelchair and I got to, you know, it's right, the same right. thing. It's the same it's thing. Like sometimes, <laughs> yeah, during COVID, my mom got, was ill, not with COVID, was something else. And, and, you know, we weren't allowed to go there and, yeah. and you know, yeah. I couldn't visit her. And when I would see her in the bed, in bed instead of the, the chair, when we did our, our weekly Zooms, 
my heart would drop because I thought, oh no, she's in the she's in bed, as opposed to in the chair. So you just you know what I mean. So from from when my whole perspective of of what what was good was changed. Obviously, like you said, you know. I wanted to see her in her wheelchair. I know if she's sitting up in her wheelchair, she's good. She's, she's, you know, this is a good Whereas thing. Whereas two years before, you would have said, oh, my God, oh my she's God, sitting my in mom's a wheelchair. In a ch- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's- I, I have a I – have, I, first of all, I want to say this before we run out of time. I want to say you need yeah. – your third book – Yep, you have to write a third one. This is, I don't know, is that you need to take all of your amazing quotes and, and observations that you post and make those that into a book. Please do that. Yeah, that's actually what I want to do. Um, after yes, my the second book comes out, I'll probably take a little bit of a break because it's a lot of work, but I want to make just a compilation of all of my stories and essays yeah. and quotes and all of the lessons that I've learned. And just, I have so many yes. cute little stories about my mom. That's just like to yes, show can. people that there's still joy and, you know, you can, you can bring that out of them. And, you know, I, I want to say that I know not everybody has the same experience. I mean, some people have had their experience with Alzheimer's has been so much harder than mine. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it just really depends on the person and every situation is different. And I have so much respect and empathy for that. But if you're able to try and, you know, approach it the way that I did and bring joy into their life and just appreciate what they still have, I mean, you're still going to mourn every loss. Like when your yeah. mom goes from, walking on her own to being in a wheelchair, you're going to grieve. That's a loss and you're going to grieve that loss. And that's okay. That's totally normal. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be sad and it's going to be hard to get over that loss and to accept your, your new normal. Um, But you just have to remind yourself like, Mm -hmm. okay, this, this is hard now. This sucks, you know, but it is going to get harder. It is going to get worse. And you know, you just, can't stay down for too long because you're just going to waste away the rest of their life wishing for something that you'll never have back again. You're never going to get it back. And you can't go back to the way things were before your loved one got sick with Alzheimer's. There is no going back, but you're going to waste what you have left and what's still in front of you. You're going to just waste it if you can't try and fight for yourself and for your loved one to get to a place of acceptance yes. so that you can, you're never going to change the outcome, 100%. but you can change the journey mm-hmm. if you just try to focus on what you have left and what is still there. And you're going to have bad days. You're going to have down days. You're going to grieve every loss as it comes, but you will learn hopefully it. to love every new version of your loved one that comes along. And yeah, and all the gifts that they give and, and write, write them down when they happen, write them down, make yourself to get a notebook and nothing fancy and make a Perfect. big old list Perfect. of all the good things that happen. And on your down days, go read that Perfect. book, go read that list of things and try to remember that there is still some good things and where I'm going to take the bad stuff. I'm not going to ignore right. it. I'm going to acknowledge it, but I'm going to put it back here. 
And I'm going to bring out that book and read all the good things and bring that to the forefront because that will help you keep going. It's like, it's just like a child again. Like if you, if you focus on your child when they're going through their stages, say they're having yeah. a temper tantrum and it's like, that's the thing you focus on as opposed to the thing, the most adorable thing that they did right before that, you mm -hmm. know, the most loving thing, whatever it is, you know, you're just, what, why would you do that? You're not going to say that like that temper tantrum does not define, define who that child is. <laughs> And, and those agitated moments or the loss of, of, of their ambulatory skills is not doesn't define who your yeah. loved one is. And I, I just want to, I, I, I have a quick little story that happened with my mom and I when we were, I was moving and I was having a terrible argument with my <laughs> ex who has come over and everything was just a mess. It was like life was just a mess at that time. And my mom was sitting on the stairs and my ex came in and there was like a, a bit of a, a, you know, some some you know argument and then he stormed out and I sat on the stairs and I just started to bawl and my mom got lucid and she went I told you he's not you you shouldn't have married him he was terrible you are so much better than he is I want you to go into the bathroom and stop crying and I want you to look in the mirror and remember who you are and remember how smart you are and beautiful you are and I so I went into the kitchen to get a, a paper towel to wipe my face and I came back in and my mom goes oh, you're crying what happened like so you know I and then they had to find how I I knew from that moment that was how I was going to have to live. And I said, nothing, mommy, everything's good. But I got her, I got her for that, for that minute. And she got to, she put me straight and I felt got like I got again. her. She got, yeah. <laughs> she got so there, you know, so, so those are the things, if you, if you don't allow those things to happen and you don't cherish the, you know, you don't look for them and remember them, remind yourself of them. Like you said, get a notebook, get a notebook. Write yeah. it down. Or write a book. Or write a book. You know, or write yeah. two books. So tell us about your upcoming book and where we can find it and uh, and whatever else you want to tell us even about your first book. And yeah. Well, my first book is uh, Learning to Weather the Storm, A Story of Life, Love, and Alzheimer's. And that's available now on Amazon, exclusively on Amazon. Um, and my second book is called when only love remains surviving my mom's battle with early onset alzheimer's and i'm finishing it up right now so it'll be available on amazon i'm, I'm going to self-publish it as well um, i still have my blog life love and alzheimer's that i write on as well as my facebook and social media pages that i'm just i keep sharing all the stories, um, anything that I remember, anything that I think will be helpful or, or inspirational. Um, and like Susie and I were talking about, I do plan on having a third book someday where I'm going to compile all of those together in one place. Um, hopefully maybe a daily reading or something for people to go to for hope and inspiration. Um, and you know, aside from that, I want to start um, like a mentorship program with other Alzheimer's daughters um, to be able to, people always write in my comments and messages, you know, oh, I wish we were friends in real life. I wish, you know, we could talk. And Aww. so I want to be able to do that for people that need, you know, more support and someone to actually talk to and connect with. And I would love to start doing retreats 
for Alzheimer's daughters. I'm going to start with a fellow Alzheimer's daughter friend um, who lives nearby me. Um, we're going to start with doing a dinner probably sometime in August um, and just kind of see where it goes from there because I just think there, there's so many people out there who are going through this and we need to find each other. Like you're not alone. There are people out there. You just don't know them yet. And I want to try mm -hmm. to bring them together so that people have someone to turn to and someone to talk to and someone to sort of guide them or coach or mentor them through this, you know, huge season of their life that they're going through. So, yeah. Oh, well, just... Count me in on that. Count yeah. me in. I'm, I'm, I'm at your service. I would love to be a part of that. I think that's yeah, so I think amazing. It's, it's so needed. Um, I know there are support groups and things. You know, I never went to a support group because I was so young. And well, and I don't know what your reasoning was. Like for me, I felt like I'm going to be the youngest person in this room. Like I'm not going to sit in like the basement of a church and eat like some dry cookies or something and, and talk about this and be like the youngest person in this room. There's no way like they're not going to relate to me. I'm not going to relate to them. It's just going to make me more upset that I am the youngest person in this room. And I so I never went. Um, and I think especially that what the last year has shown us with COVID, it's all about virtual. You have to be able to talk to people and connect with people no matter where you are in the world and no matter what time of day it is or not being able to go somewhere. Like caregivers, a lot of times can't just get up and go for an hour to a meeting, but maybe they can sit on a computer with headphones in and, and still be there to care and check on their loved one, but also get the support that they need. Because, you mm -hmm. know, like you said, Don, if you don't take care of yourself, like you can't take care of this person or you just can't, um, you know, have the relationship that you want with that person if you're not taking care of yourself first. So that's important to me. Yeah, because you don't want to resent I mean, them because you can yes. start resenting the situation and that's the last thing you want to happen. Exactly, right. yeah. Well. We could just go on and on, but we yeah. we, we can't. We can't. But <laughs> gosh, Lauren, thank you so much. I've, I'm so glad that we finally got a chance to talk in person in a way, you know, and I get to he hear your story and I, I relate to it. And, you know, I, and yeah, th there's all stages of life and, it, and you went through it at a very, very young age. And and, you know, for the for people that are my generation, uh, you know, love is love and 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 a, a, a mother-daughter love you know whether you're 40 or 25 or 50 or you know or 70 and you're going through it it's hard no matter what we never are prepared for it and we and thank you so so much i i feel like i i i love you and i think you're a fantastic <laughs> person and thank your mom you. is so proud of you and and i'm proud of you and i and i know that the world is proud of you so thank you so thank much. you so much and thank you guys for having me come on and giving me another opportunity to share my story with others i appreciate it we appreciate you and what do we always say <laughs> we always say love is powerful love is contagious and love conquers all and uh thank you for joining us find us share uh you know like us please like us <laughs> <laughs> thank you we want to be liked Thank you.